I woke up this morning and the first thing I did is uh, check N4G because that's what I do every day that we are recording a podcast to see what kind of bullshit drama news has popped up. And sure enough, guys, sure enough, there was some news this morning, a news story from Rock Paper Shotgun, but also probably many other outlets, Sony and Tencent buy almost a third of From Software's stock in a joint deal. Bam. I feel like yeah, we I don't, should... I, don't uh, I don't like it. I don't like corporate consolidation. It's been happening way too much. And uh, I'm just going to say it. I don't want Bloodborne to you. I love Bloodborne. I think it's one of the best games that I've ever played. But Dagger don't Storm make a sequel. Heart. FromSoft shouldn't make sequels to games. They should make new things. Bloodborne is incredible, but let it be. But continue with the ideas. Either. Like they could make a game oh, yeah. that's kind of that setting, a similar setting, a similar type of combat, but maybe takes it to the next level. So I also just want to say on this topic that if Sony is like the only person who will buy from Soft and then make their games exclusive to their platform, and I do not want that. Like if that happened with Xbox or Valve, who would never do that, but like it, it's just like Sony would be the one that would be like, I would have to buy hardware to play it, and I don't want that to happen. So I don't want Sony to buy them. I don't think they will. I don't. This is this is apparently not an not a big impact according to PC Gamer. I'm not an industry mm-hmm. analyst. This is not my specialty, but yeah, yeah, it's not my specialty either. But uh, I don't know. Do you guys remember when uh, Sekiro was published by Activision? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. If that went well, then I'm not yeah. gonna stress about it. So FromSoft had made a Tenchu game with Activision before too so it's like kind of made kind of sort of made sense hmm i think it's fine what do you think aaron what do you think i'm just worried that this portends to a future where sony buys a larger stake in FromSoft and becomes a majority or a crucial minority stakeholder and FromSoft, yeah like becomes I don't know. I, I also think that like it's possible that FromSoft has made the best games they're ever going to make and that the future games they'll make will be great, but maybe not as good as the games they've already made. Hard to say. It could also be that the best FromSoft game is still like th- three to five games out. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Kind of another if, point. If, but If Sony bought them, what, what game would we get? Like Bloodborne 2 and you'd play as like the older version of your hunter you have to like raise your hunter child like slowly i don't think we're getting yarnum yeah slowly. i don't think we're getting, okay no no put ladders Sony down and famously does not have a huge amount does not exert creative influence over their devs especially the ones that are really prestige devs they left that's that's why we got the last of us part two which is like not the game that you know a bunch of studio execs would have been like hey make this mm-hmm. game um it's true so yeah, from soft would make whatever they want for sure and I don't think we would ever get blood. I don't. I think Bloodborne Two is almost certainly never going to happen. But something that carries that torch is maybe pretty. Or do you want Bloodborne Two? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm always back and forth on it. I feel like I'd rather get want either a remaster or a remake at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I saw this ten cent thing. I know there's a lot of fear about corporate consolidation, and it's one of those things where I'm not gonna panic too much about it uh, unless it was a majority stake yeah 
no, that that's probably prudent. One thing I will say about Tencent, Tencent is uh, is a Chinese company that has at least some stake of it is owned by the Chinese government. Chinese government has prison camps and is horrible human right human rights violations and all. But more, even more worrisome, perhaps for me personally, who knows what they could smuggle into the software five ten years down the road? You know what I mean? Is this paranoia? What do you guys think? Yeah, I. I- this is one of those things where I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't like uh, games being published, or I guess with ties to to to, that, to them. But I don't I don't know what that means either, realistically. Like, I just I just wonder if like they would do that just from a, like their capitalist money perspective, like if that would be viable or I don't know. I don't know. Not my. I don't know field. either. It, it, it's 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 I have no evidence or knowledge of what could happen, and I'm not an expert on this at all. It's just worrisome to me. I don't like my dollars to to go that direction. Yeah. So do you, you do not. you want, you don't want your dollars to go to Tencent or to Sony or both? Uh, well, I I clearly <laughs> like get sending my dollars to Sony because I bought a PlayStation Five, and I I'm I'm teetering on whether or not to buy this seventy dollar remake of the last of us it would from what i hear is largely just a very impressive facelift which makes me less likely to want to buy it because i could just play so them. has anyone played it that's like played a it? third party or no? uh oh it's, it comes out tomorrow dude it's it's metacritic is up it's reviewed oh. uh, i oh, highly okay. recommend everyone watch the giant bomb quick look of it it is 28 seconds long it's quite funny so it's an actual quick look Hmm. <laughs> Drew actually posted it in our Discord uh, frequent right. ass from Select Screen. I will check that out. But I guess to answer your question, I don't love the prospect of giving money to Tencent. And I'm a little cautious about installing software. I mean, I, I say that as I currently have Valorant installed on my computer. So so it's not... Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just It just makes me anxious the way the world's going but i guess that's neither here nor there i mean i give money to amazon way too much out of uh, convenience you know but amazon sucks amazon does not have concentration camps with millions of people living them right well i don't know i guess it depends on how you look i mean i know i don't want to do a false no no don't even do that (laughs) i'm not gonna do a false equivalency i'm just saying that amazon and its role of workers' rights aren't too great either. They're both bad. China's pro- worse. I don't know. Maybe cut this segment. China's out. like, <laughs> yeah. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Amazon sucks, but but China is is yeah whatever. Now now I'm on a list. Uh, all right. Well, in other wonderful news, speaking of giving Sony your money, the PlayStation Five has had a price hike around the world except for I think it's just the United States or is it North America oh my gosh I, I should uh, probably um, reread the article oh, to see reread the so, article yeah because I can't remember the specifics uh, so oh, here Canada. we go yep it affects Canada Latin America so it's like literally everywhere but the United States and maybe China oh yeah here we go yeah price hike Latin America, Europe, Canada, Asia, Middle East, 
basically anywhere outside the United States. Um, so that's cool in that we aren't affected, but still not a fan. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they would do it everywhere but here? Uh, we're, like, we're not the biggest market. Issues? I don't know. I'm not Could sure. it be like like in this is this is something I've heard some people say in the United States the Xbox and the PlayStation are kind of neck and neck, whereas in other territories the PlayStation is fairly dominant. So like, if you live in Germany, you're probably going to buy a PlayStation. But you live in the United States, you might be like, well, I had an Xbox 360 and a PS4, and I could go either way. You go to the store and you see well, you're not going to see shit because neither of them are in stock, but. If, if you're looking on your bot that's tracking these things, you could get a Series X for $500, or I could get a, a PlayStation 5 for $550 or whatever it is. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a decision maker. What do you guys think? Yeah, I if I had to guess, it's probably just um, they're offsetting losses based on their hardware, that it's, they're mm-hmm. probably selling the hardware at a loss, and they probably are just trying to get that up for the- Well, they said it was profitable a few months ago, or- Maybe it was a year ago. They'd put out a press statement saying the PlayStation 5 is profitable. Okay. I um, believe. Maybe they're just trying to bump up their margins for the end of fiscal oh, that, year. Oh, they're definitely trying to do that. Or something like that, um, if I had to guess. Uh, but you could be right. It could have to do with the... So, wait, wait, wait. I just, the one thing I I, didn't, I guess I missed on that that was... was You said that the areas, like, let's say in an area where, where, where PlayStation's more dominant, like Japan, mm-hmm. um, would... Would would right raising the price just be so because they they know they're going to sell so they just gain more money on them, or so the argument I've heard and I find it somewhat persuasive, but what do I know, is that yeah in the United States the Xbox and the PlayStation are you know competitive with one another, but in other places in Europe and Asia the PlayStation is way more dominant so people are much more likely to just pay the extra fifty bucks. Mm, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, hmm. I do love that uh, kind of sucks. I do love the Jim X- Ryan move, maybe though. Yeah, I do like Xbox's <laughs> response though. They're just kind of like, we're not doing it, or at least and Nintendo they- too. We're also like, we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo said that. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's such a weird move because I don't know has has a console ever increased in price historically? Do you guys remember this happening? Oh, that's a good point. Gosh, I don't know. Not without any, as far as I can remember, not without an iterative upgrade, like a PS4 Pro or... Right, or so like the Xbox 360 Elite was more expensive, but, you know, it was it, right. it had a bigger hard drive and something else. I don't know. There were some extra perks with it. The 360 it. was like Street Fighter 2. It had like a million versions. There was like a turbo extra Street Fighter 2, you know. EX, yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't. I don't think I can think of a time when consoles everywhere the price pop that's interesting perspective but I, I guess the question is like like Oren how does it feel to you right as somebody who doesn't own a PlayStation but you know you're considering maybe getting one how do you feel about this I mean obviously it doesn't actually affect you but like how does it affect your image of Sony um, I think they are they're getting a little it kind of shows desperation to me. It's kind of anti-consumer. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, especially since they're raising prices in places like Mexico um, or just uh, the Middle East. It kind of seems like 
the places that shouldn't have a price increase are getting a price increase. <laughs> so I guess that's just more incentive to look to Xbox or to Nintendo or just get do a PC gaming because I'm just not a big fan of uh, Sony moving towards this sort of, oh, we're like this premium hardware experience and only the elite members can have access to it. I'm just not a big... And I feel like that's just feeding into their their image, this price increase. I miss the PS3 Sony. They're like the underdog Sony, you know? Where they got all full themselves. Back when Microsoft were the assholes. I know, it only happened once, but I just think of like the launch of the Xbox One and like Don Matrick being like, oh, what do you do if you want to play a game offline without connecting? He's like, well, we have the Xbox 360 for that. It was like... Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and like, oh, you can't trade games, like, and then you know, Sony released that ad where like, how do you how do you trade a game with a on PS4 or PS3? And it was like, you just hand the game to your friend, like just that ty- that Sony, you know, the 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 I don't know, this the not the big corporate overlord Sony, which that's how I feel like they've become. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's weird that they haven't like that they weren't like, oh, but you get six months of you know PlayStation Plus or. Uh, you know, a pack-in game. Like, they didn't, like, increase the value proposition. So it is kind of a very, as far as I can think of, and I, I haven't done the research here, unprecedented and aggressive move. Uh, and I, I, it, it's troubling to me. I just, uh, I don't know. Uh, things go in cycles, for all we know. The next console generation, Phil Spencer's going to be out of touch, and then Sony will come back. I don't know, but I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's possible. I I don't know. It's it's very, it's like, it just seems very tone deaf. And I think Sony is relying so hard on brand recognition right now. They were just relying on like, oh, you know us. We're PlayStation. Buy a PlayStation. But I just don't think they have a library at this point to really back it up. Like I can count. On my right hand, like the the number of Sony exclusives that I think are worth playing. Uh, Do you think right now, yeah. at this point in time, like on that on that note, like what has the better exclusives? What's the better console experience for the killer apps? I just think exclusives? Game Pass is win- I, not in terms of exclusives, but like, why would you not get Xbox and Game Pass? To me, that's yeah. just such a no brainer. Yeah, do you, do you do you think it's do you think it's better? I guess the question of both of you guys. Do you think that would be the better? Is Xbox the better move like right now in twenty twenty two? Yeah, it depends on what you want. I mean, it depends on the person, really. Like, because yeah. uh, big picture, big picture. I think yeah. they're actually both really great products, particularly for even it's five hundred bucks, right? If you want to buy one of the top end, you know, consoles mm-hmm. five hundred fifty for the PlayStation in Europe or whatever. But like, I am much more likely now to play a game on my console than PC. Something that, that I see Zach shuddering at, at the sound of. But, um, <laughs> like, I, I just... The, the console experience this generation, yeah. in stark contrast to every other generation since, since like, the PlayStation 2, is just kind of as good or better than what you get on PC. I don't get mouse aiming in my first-person shooter, so I, I always play first-person shooters on PC, but almost every other game... I am much more likely to play on my consoles lately, which is, uh, is is unusual for me. So I think either console is a good value proposition. PlayStation Plus has some pretty strong games. Like it, I, it's not as good as Game Pass or as Game Pass has been, but I don't think 
I think if you just got a PlayStation and got that, you'd be set for months. Well, well, let me put it this way. I think I, I, the reason why I was so quick to just say yes um, is just because I usually look at things from the point of view as a, of a consumer who is broke because I've been broke for most of my life. And Xbox Series S or X plus Game Pass is just the best value. And I don't think PlayStation 5 can compete with that at this moment. However, if you... If you want that premium experience, uh, games like Returnal and Horizon Zero Dawn or the sequel Forbidden West, that that's it. That's like the big, giant 4K TV, beautiful gaming experience that Xbox doesn't really have right now. So yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is there really a truly like quote next gen exclusive Xbox like first party game? I don't think there is. Forza. Forza, but that's on that's cross plat still. Like, where's Horizon? Actually, cross Horizon's cross plat. So, like, Returnal's PS5, Demon yeah. Souls is PS5. Demon Souls, um, and those are those are fairly impressive games. I do think, yeah, if yeah. you're broke, if you're a college student or you, you're working on a budget, a Series S and like a hundred and fifty dollar high refresh rate gaming monitor is gonna take you for for literally five hundred bucks or less is gonna take you way farther than most people than, than you would have ever got before for that much money. Like right. it, it's that is an insane value prop. So price uh, of a switch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think uh I, I don't know. I, I am partial to my Xbox over my PlayStation. I for I, I have a love hate relationship with uh, achievements. Like I hate how the UI like weaponizes them against you. <laughs> But then I also am like, oh, I should buy that on PlayStation or on Xbox so I can get the achievements. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they so need they... to dial back the achievement notification because sometimes it can be so loud. <laughs> you can turn that off. Oh, you I've can? I've turned I that should, off, I actually. Should, cause it's, I should yeah. probably toggle that because it can be really loud sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, that was distracting for me the, the thing that, that I find a little ridiculous is that it's like you're on your home menu the front page and it's like it's like oh look is is you know 4,000 achievement scores ahead of you this month like it's like taunting you with your with oh, your luck is killing it on, your on, achievement, uh, achievement deficit scores. yeah I don't know who yeah, that guy is I've been, but watching, he gets I've been a playing of, a lot of like eight hour indie games five to eight hour <laughs> indie games so you know that's the easiest way to get that gamer score up mm. <laughs> Gamer score Viagra. Um, so right. I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention to the achievement stuff. I like it. I think it's fun, but like I rarely think about it to be honest. It's good. That, I, I I do think that the UI wants you to think about it way more than yeah, the PS5 so. UI wants you to think about trophies. Like the trophies are yeah, kind of incomprehensible that, to me. Yeah, I never I never thought about them much at all. Yeah. I know what platinums are. That's cool. But uh, the rest yeah. of them, I'm like, wait, why are there different tiers of trophies? Um, yeah. It's the same system, basically, though. It's like the fifty points or like gold and twenty-two point yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah I, I do think it's it's a good time to own a console, but also surprisingly, it's actually not a bad time to build a PC, even though next generation processors and GPUs are like on the cusp. But things are cheap again. Things are affordable, you know, within PC prices anyway. They're still expensive, but like cheapest they've been in two years you can find a graphics card and you can find it for its msrp so that's shocking it is yeah it's definitely shocking 
but speaking of buying, you want to talk about your Series X, Kevin? Oh. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, briefly talk about it. I know we've talked about the, how much we love the Xbox and all that fun stuff already. So I won't go too long on this, but I did. Um, I just want to mention to you on the topic of like, because Orange talked about the Series S and how great that console is. Like, going from the Series S to the Series X, I was expecting this like massive fidelity change. There is one, but it wasn't as significant as I expected. It definitely was like, wow, this looks really nice. But the Series S looks pretty damn good. Like, it looks. It looks like games look pretty damn good in that thing. Like, uh, I think a lot of people. Uh, undercut how awesome the series s is and like don't realize it so i just wanted to like give props to that little guy like i'm getting i'm selling him off and i i feel sad i'm like oh i'm gonna miss this little guy he was like <laughs> such a dependable little friend got me through all of this past you know what with two years i've had him now i don't even know you're in you're in something anyways uh series x uh awesome first thing i did was i um put in what did i do oh i put the ascent first so it was the first game that i tried i wanted to see it in 4k looked really nice loading times were the same I do want to mention that the performance on the Ascent was significantly better than it was on my Series S, um, for whatever reason. Um, if you play the Ascent, if you ever use the spider bots, when you when two people throw all their spider bots out and they start blowing shit up, Series S takes a serious performance hit. Yeah. Um, on the Series X, it seemed to be pretty consistent all the way through. So that was cool. I tried a bunch of different games. They all looked really nice. The game that I have to... Uh, Aaron, Aaron and I talked about this a little bit off the pod, is uh, Gears 3. Gears 3 and 4K, it's like, this game is over a decade old. Holy shit, this game looks like, like, it doesn't look like it could come out today, but, like, it almost, it, like, it looks, it looks like, like it could like be an it, indie game. Like a it looks like really it could maybe be like an indie yeah. game or, like, like an Xbox One game. Like, it's mm. a 360 game. Um, that game in 4K, just the assets are so high quality. Textures, the models, everything is, looks, looks very good. And it also, in 60 FPS, it is so smooth. That game has such high quality animation. It's just like, wow. Epic yeah. really was ahead of their time in terms of all that stuff. Like, those guys were genius. I mean, that's why their engine is, like, the most used engine in, the, like, in AAA games, right? It makes sense. So, um, yeah, cool cool to upgrade it. Um, I will say pretty similar, but uh, the ability to play on my old 360 games and Xbox games was cool on paper until I went to go play them, and, like, none of them are backwards compatible that I don't own. So I basically have bought, they've all been either re-released or I bought basically every single game that I had. Because they basically, all the, all like the classic, you know, Halos and Gears and stuff, they've all been re-released and Resident Evils and all that stuff. So it's like, there's really not a lot of disc games that I could play. There's only two games I didn't own that I went to try. One was Bioshock, which um, Bioshock on the original 360 is very interesting because it had, um, you could unlock the frame rate in that game. For some reason, I don't know why they offered that. <laughs> and apparently, on uh, yeah, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Xbox One, they tried it. I saw Digital Foundry, they tried it, and it didn't keep a lock 60. But on the Xbox Series X, for me, it ran perfectly fine. Looks great oh, yeah. still. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then what was the other game that I tried? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, Conan. The uh, it's actually Aaron's game. Oh, uh, Co- what? Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a blast from the past. That is a yeah. real blast from the past. Yeah. It's a pretty, like, fun, janky God of War-like. Um, yeah. And playing it, I was like, man, this is such a game from this decade. Like, they, they do not make games like this. This genre is basically dead. Like, it's all become Dark Souls. And just the guy cutting things up and the, like, you know, the the ladies and the and the, just the violence and all that. It's just, it's just not, 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 a, not a, a style now. Um, it the has that the rampant of, violence and misogyny. You're like, yeah. brings me back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's like oh yeah, this is this is from a different decade. 
Um, this would not be made today. Not at all. Who made that game? But it's actually not... Huh? Who made that? Was that Funcom? No, it's a company called... God, I just was looking them up. It's not... They they haven't made a lot of games. They made a couple Hmm. PSP ports and some other stuff. I forgot the name of them. They unfortunately closed down one of those... Mm. I would feel bad for those developers who make like five games. They don't do well. And they close shop. It's always sad. So it's actually not a bad game. Um, Cool to play, though. 60 FPS and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I liked that game back in the day. I don't don't think I ever finished it. But it's funny because I was playing it. Summer and I were playing it. She like, really liked it. My girlfriend like loves God of War. So she was like, oh, this is fun. Um, and I was like, man, Aaron would be sad to be missing this because I know he liked this game. I remember playing it with him and his girlfriend back in like 20, I don't even know, 2010? Something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, on a CRT. Back when we were playing Rock Band and stuff. Yeah. Oh, God. So uh, Series X is awesome, um, but Series S is also awesome. So that's my opinion. <clears throat> I could give my opinion on the Series S, but I feel like I've done it so many times. But overwhelmingly pro- positive, and it's my favorite yeah. console I've ever owned. Yeah. I then I also watched a Blu-ray. I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which I love. Um, one of my favorite comedy movies. <laughs> I feel like you watched it like two and a half months earlier than you should have. Because it's a Thanksgiving oh, yeah. movie. It's true. It's a Thanksgiving oh. movie. Huh. Mm. <laughs> well, you can start watching Christmas movies now. Keep yeah, it, watch, keep watch that, Die like, Hard. Uh, just watch Die Hard, honestly, just that one. <laughs> no, Eyes Wide Shut, best Christmas movie. Um, oh, my God. I was uh, I actually watched the first half of that um, a few mm. nights ago out of boredom. Man, mm. that movie is so good. I love Eyes Wide Shut. I just, uh, I could go into a whole Kubrick rant, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I was just watching the John Candy doing the, doing the mess around when he's driving on the freeway in that movie. I love that movie so much. Do the mess around. Uh, mess around. Wh- wh- where is where is your hand? It's between two pillows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't pillows. <laughs> Those aren't pillows. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an ic- iconic movie. Uh, I watched mm-hmm. that like every Thanksgiving growing up. It was. A, so what do you watch every Thanksgiving? Planes, trains, and automobiles. It's like a tradition. Uh, I've like, never seen that movie. Oh, what really? It's like the ultimate. Yeah, you should watch it when you're here. It's like the ultimate John Candy movie. Like, I can't. It's so funny. Watch it's, it. It's really. Uh, it's yeah, really funny. It's really funny, but it's also really heartwarming, and it's, it's got, better it's than Uncle everything. Buck. Yeah, yeah, it is. Sorry, sometimes you're just wrong, Aaron, and this is one of those times. Orn like lagged out there, and I, I don't know yeah. what he said. What? But uh, I'm here. Yeah, it's weird because you like slowed down and then you sped up. It's oh. like the internet tried to fit all of you into the same amount of time, but like distorted it. It's very just strange. Sound, this uh, just sounds like you uh, trying to evade this whole Uncle Buck argument. That's what. Oh, Uncle Buck is a terrible movie. That was that was a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uncle Buck is a really bad movie that probably nobody remembers because it's horrible. Uh, but somehow Oren's aware of Uncle Buck. He does uh, have John I, I Candy. I mean, I, I, I grew up... I mean, I live in Northbrook, Illinois. Or, like, I grew up mm. in Northbrook, Illinois. And that's where John Hughes is from. So I kind of know everything mm. about John Hughes. Not because I want Nothing to. Nothing But Trouble? Which one? Nothing But Trouble. Is that John Hughes? I don't know. <laughs> it's not John Hughes, but it, it's by Dan Aykroyd. But it has John Candy. That's the reason I ask. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I only really very... like him from uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I didn't yeah. really watch... Was What was he on? SCTV? I didn't really watch that, because that was obviously way before my time. But Second Damn. City TV? 
Yeah. I've actually only really seen him in um, Planes, Trains. That movie's incredible. Planes, Trains is such a good... Uh, what else? He's in like a million movies. John Candy? I'm trying... But now I can't think of one of them. I don't know. My childhood was watching him and Chevy Chase and Steve Martin across a million movies at my cousin's house. All right. Should we clap ourselves back in? Uh, already done, my friend. Already done. Oh, Okay, yeah, I did it. I did it while you guys were talking. It was so, it was so a audience when we clap. clap back in. That's a sound thing. Yeah, that's a sound thing. That's a sinking thing. Uh, although really, we'd have to clap together to sink. But like, we're already synced, so it's just it's just a note for me. Uh, anyway, Oren, what the fuck is immortality? And why did you say on Twitter that it was your favorite TV show? Am I am I, am I having like a a moment of of confusion? Am I confused, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. This, I've been very confused this whole podcast. Mm. So, uh, Immortality, new game from Sam Barlow. He makes what are called FMV games, which are, what, full motion video? Is that what it means? That's it. That's it. Full motion video. Yeah. That's, that's an old PlayStation 1 term. That's old school. Yeah. yeah he, well, mm. he, he's brought it back, and he's made it his own brand, basically, because no one else really does them, at least not as well. Right. So he, he, he did, did her story. He did her story. He did okay. um, telling lies. I haven't played those games. I really should. I think telling lies is on Game Pass, so I might pick that up. But I was really looking forward to this immortality game ever since I saw it at E3. Basically, the whole premise is there's this uh, this actress who starred in three movies. Uh, one in like 1968, another in 1971, thereabouts, and the other one was like in the 90s. And she looks like the same age in every movie, but and none of the movies got made. And she mysteriously disappeared. So your job is to go through the dailies, you know, the uh, the clips from the movies and from the behind the scenes and all of that to try to figure out what happened to her. And it is fucking awesome man (laughs) this is like an amazing game i don't want to oversell it too much but i guess to uh to paint a picture i started playing it last night at 11 o'clock and i didn't stop until five in the morning i like i just was just obsessed i'd like like you know uh have you ever seen the movie blowout with john travolta no that's a bad example or zodiac like the with you've seen Zodiac I'm like that I was like the investigator going combing through like all of these reels and everything trying to figure out the mystery you know those scenes in movies where you just see a guy kind of just right rewinding footage trying to see if there's something he missed uh that that's how that's what this game captures you're just kind of combing through all of this footage looking for clues uh, and it's it's really inspired uh it's some, if I had to describe the gameplay, it's you're watching a lot, obviously, but one gameplay mechanic in the game that's really inspired is that uh, you can pause the screen at any time and select any object in the frame or any person's face, face in the frame, and then it will match cut to another clip so you, so you can explore that way and catch clues that way. And... I uh, I actually just rolled credits on it right before this podcast, so I I finished it. But I want to keep playing it because I know that there are other clues and mysteries in the game that I want to know more of. I want to know like what these relationships are like, and hmm. 
and really dig deep into that and really watch everything. So I can go on and on. Uh, I One thing I will say about the game that will interest both of you, but uh, gosh, I'm, I can't remember his name. I think it's Brad Gifford. Let me uh, uh, fact check that, actually. Um, I'm going to look at the Jump Crouch pub where I posted his name earlier. <laughs> Bradley Gifford, Barry Gifford, Barry Gifford. He was a co-writer. He was David Lynch's co-writer for Lost Highway and Wild at Heart. He's a writer on the game. So the oh. game is very Lynchian. Um, very Lynchian. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, 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 it's awesome. The, and some of the, 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 each of the three movies that you explore are clearly based off of movies from the time. Like the 1968 movie is like a giallo uh, kind of Italian biblical thriller, but it's also kind of inspired by The Devils by Ken Russell. So it's like kind of old school Italian exploitation. Um, and then the one in the early 70s is about like Andy Warhol and modern art but there's also a serial killer. And then the one that's in the nineties is more like kind of like a, like a lost highway style LA crime thriller. So it's just, it was, it's like someone made this game for me, man. It's like Sam Barlow was like, Hey, there's this guy named Doran luck. I know what he likes. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to make a game for him, but, but it's also kind of like a movie because you're watching a lot. So it's like an interactive movie. So you could say it's a great movie too. That's yeah. interactive. So. Do you know what platforms this is on? Game Pass. I mean, I Game Pass. It, oh, it's on Game Pass? Xbox mm-hmm. and PC. Oh, wow. It's not on PC. It's on Xbox and iPad. It's not on PC. IPhone, which I guess I have an iPhone now, so I could play it on my iPhone. But um, yeah, it's not on PC. I was like, this is a perfect PC game. No. But it, it'll probably be a perfect couch game too oh dude game pass and it's got a 91 metacritic that's been a while since game pass has had a real you know super banger hitting hitting day one yeah i'm trying to like evaluate because we're uh, just so the listeners listeners know we're recording this at night and uh hopefully i gave a coherent cell of immortality but i really definitely i i am quite effusive about this game that's it is the the I, I put nine hours into this game so far, and those nine hours have been a fucking roller coaster, like b- beginning to end. Uh, like I, the first, if I had to describe it, the first two hours of the game, I was getting teary eyed because I was so blown away by how Sam Barlow em- emulates these classic film styles and the cinephilia associated with them. And as a big cinephile myself, I was like, oh, God, this is I'm so overwhelmed by the presentation of this game. And then when it gets into the nitty gritty of the mystery, uh, I, 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 I'm just going to say it outright. I got spooked. I got outright spooked a couple of times. And I like it was three in the morning last night and I had to turn on the lights because I was spooked by some of the <laughs> some of the mystery. So. And and then it just kept going. I just I got so wrapped up in the characters. I got so wrapped up in the relationships. I, I loved rewatching all of the segments. All of the performances are so good. Uh, the lead actress is like uh, Anya Taylor Joy from um, The Witch and oh, The Northman. Nice. But I actually cool. think I like her more because <laughs> she has like that the same look and energy. Uh, hmm. But yeah, I could I could just gush. Uh, I don't want to over gush, so I'm going to stop myself. But 
please play this game. Question. Uh, I am going to play this game. You have 100% sold this to me. I missed the FMV game, even though Rebel Assault sucked ass. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of potential there. And, and I know that this guy, Sam Barlow, has been really crafting this genre and making it his own. Is this a game that would be fun to play with, like, I don't know, four drunk guys on a couch? Yeah. Or would it? Or is it too serious? Is it too demanding? It's... I don't know. It, it, it is interesting because I feel like the drunk guys on the couch will, would be watching you and be like, I don't, like, know, like, what you're doing. And it's, like, hard to discuss it. Dance. It's more like the, the, the lone guy... And you have like With a the bunch microfiche. of yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have all of the uh, the reels of film, and you're sorting through them, and then uh, and then crazy stuff happens or crazy revelations happen. It's more that vibe. But man, I was so taken, I was so taken by this game. It was uh, I'm I'm very, I'm, uh, yeah, it's a it's an Would amazing. Would you put game. it on your uh, on your list of games of the year? Oh, of course you. Oh yeah, I mean. I don't know, man. It's like, uh, I mean, Elden Ring is cool and all, but this immortality game, I don't know. It might take it for my game of the year. <laughs> Contentious. Interesting. Uh, I dig it, dude. Yeah, that sounds incredible. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Please, please check it out. Hopefully I didn't oversell it. Uh, I will say, if it's not for you, Stick with it because it's only. I mean, I finished my playthrough at about eight hours, eight and a half hours. Um, I haven't discovered everything that you can discover because there's multiple mysteries that you can do and multiple achievements. But to get the core mystery, it takes about eight to nine hours. Though I've heard some people say they did it in five hours, and I'm like, I don't, I don't believe those people. But that's fine. Those people have a bad sense of time. I yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what the Xbox game clock is there for. Like, to, you know, take a look at that right after you finish the game. All right. I'll check it All out right. for sure. It's a yeah. I'd like a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I guess on, on that type of game, I should quickly mention, I, I haven't quite finished, but I'm close to the end of As Dusk Falls. Still liking it. Still enjoying it. Still recommend it. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like super high on my game of the year list, but it'll be there. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, it, that there's that. Uh, okay, guys. Some of you may not know this, but one of my favorite games is Counter Strike Global Offensive. And uh, Kevin's sorry, Kevin. Uh, but I, 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 I didn't it, know that. I had no idea. Did, you didn't know that? Okay. Well, I don't talk about it on the podcast very often. I That's think I've talked true. about it once or twice. And and I, it's a game that is on its way to be my most played game on Steam. It is it has surpassed PUBG and is quickly gunning for um, Bad Company 2, which is my previous game, which I put 500 hours into. Anyway, Counter-Strike Counter Global Offensive had its 10th anniversary. I think it was last week. And um, I just wanted to quickly talk about this game and why I like it and why, why I think that people who, who, who think it sounds interesting should check it out. Uh, Counter-Strike is a tactical shooter, right? So a tactical shooter is a genre that kind of sits like in between the military sim, which is like the super realistic, like, you know, you got to put your fucking shit on and everything's like very realistic. You can like walk at normal speeds and then like Call of Duty. But like, so it's like, it's like aesthetically realistic, but not realistic at all. It's much more balanced for gameplay. Um, 
and the series is 25 years old, I think, 1990 or 24 years old. But the this this iteration of the game is 10 years old, and and kind of like World War of Warcraft, another game that I've played a lot. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's extremely popular. It's it's here to stay, and it kind of is like the one thing that does what it does. But uh, so basically, Counter Strike five v five tactical shooter. Um, it's a game that really emphasizes cooperation in the sense that like you couldn't beat the, you couldn't really win a match by yourself very often. Like if, if your teammates aren't working with you in a way that's like directly supporting what you're doing, you're kind of fucked unless the other team is really terrible. Unless there's like a real skill, uh, cap disadvantage. So I don't know. I, I really like CSGO. I think th- there's some other games like out there, like it, like a uh, Valorant, is is a very is a very very similar game, but with some extra stuff. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, and then um, there's a couple of other smaller ones. But CS:GO, ten years, good for them. Oh, t- another ten years, and uh, that's that's all I got for you guys. I I dig it. I feel like I should get into it one of these days, but every time I try it, I get destroyed, and that's probably because I'm a console gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very specific game too. You need to like FPS skill doesn't necessarily translate entirely to Counter Strike, and I think vice versa as well. It's like its own thing. You got to kind of know the game, right? I do think that if you're good at Counter Strike, it'll help you a little bit in other shooters because because I mean, it's same really with being good at shooters. Yeah, that's true. Um, but um, I don't know. The thing I like so much about the game is just that it's like it's one of those games you can play for thousands of hours and still be like I think I can, you can see like you're, you're making gains you know what I mean like when you go to the gym and you're like lifting weights you're getting a little stronger every week and then it sucks when you're, you hit a plateau and you you don't get stronger for a period Mike knows what I'm talking about probably but uh, you know, everybody knows what I'm talking about but like it's it's CSGO is one of those games that you can consistently get better at and you can always see how you can get better and like learn from it and like there aren't a lot of games like that um, it, it, particularly shooter games I mean like like the ceiling can be a little low. Uh, it's also a very balanced game, I, I think. Like because it's so old, and because Valve has been spending the last ten years fine tuning it, it's like it's it's the balance is extremely fine tuned. Do you think that's why people why it's still so popular? Is that everything's just so perfectly balanced? Uh, I think it's popular because it's it's got like it's easy to get into. It's extremely balanced. It's free to play. It's well supported, and it has a really, like I said, high skill ceiling. So people, when I'm playing and I look at other people's play times, they'll often have thousands of hours played, right? Like, and it, and it, this is you know this is the game that's always every day the top played game on Steam. It's pretty awesome. I feel like Valve so. just has that magic sauce of making just games with lasting impact like that, like. Uh, Team Fortress 2, even people still play Half-Life 2, people still play Portal. Um, Dota Half- 2, which I've never Dota even touched, 2. but yeah. I, I, they just uh, they just kind of they just get it. They know how to make something with legs. Dota 2, TF2, Counter-Strike Go, all based on mods. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> the modders. Cool thing. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean a game an entire genre based off a of mod. Mm-hmm. PUBG too is you know genre based after yep. mod, pretty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's that's all I have to say about CS:GO. 
Well, uh, should we tra- yeah. should we transition to Firewatch then because of because uh, the or, wasn't that a mod you, or something or they were picked up by Half Life Alex? Uh, they were absorbed by Valve, right? Campo Santo, yes. Who who also did the uh, the podcast that I would say was the most influential on my, on my podcasting tastes. Um, but Firewatch, the most funny thing about Firewatch, Oren, is that the first podcast that Kevin and I recorded, you were on, and I talked about Firewatch. Yeah, my memory is not that this was good. six years ago <laughs> <laughs> for all i know this podcast doesn't exist and you just slapped my name across it no it, you were there 2016 2016, 2016. it was a new game i remember we talked to orn about dm 2016 yeah like when it came out yeah okay yeah i uh i played firewatch i i it's weird i always told myself that i had played firewatch but i think i never actually played firewatch do you ever have moments like that where you confabulate that you did something, but you didn't actually do it? Yeah, like I feel like I played Metal Gear Solid 3, but really only played a few hours, so yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big liar. Yeah, well, well, it's weird. It's like I lied to myself about this. I was like, I'm pretty sure I played Firewatch when it came out in 2016, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't think I actually played Firewatch. So I played Firewatch, finally. It was a great way. Here's the thing. I just love these indie games that are like four hours long, you know, four to five hours long. You can just knock it out on a lazy Friday, Sunday night, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, I really liked Firewatch. Um, to the, th- the thing about Firewatch, though, is that um, to summarize it, the, the first couple hours of the game, you're like this middle aged man. Well, not middle. Well, I don't know, like 40. No, he's 40, middle-aged. Yeah, yeah, 43-ish. I can't remember off the top of my head. And his wife is suffering from early onset uh, Alzheimer's. So he doesn't really know how to deal with it. So he decides to take this summer job as a fire watch person in this park, this national park. And... And then the game kind of goes from there. You you talk to, to with another fire watcher who is your supervisor, um... Delilah and the most of the game comes from the relationship uh, between you and your supervisor and a lot of it at least for the first couple hours is about existential feelings that a lot of people have in their 30s and 40s like my relationships are kind of failing me or like I don't know what to do I don't know what the next step is Um, you know it's about a lot of those feelings it feels like one of the few games that's actually written for adults like i don't think someone who's 20 playing firewatch will get it in the way that someone who's 40 or 30 will get it um but yeah i really like it i think i think i fell off a little bit at the end because the game gear shifts a little bit and becomes a thriller and i didn't think that was the best gear shift i wish it stayed with the middle age existential crisis stuff because that was the stuff i really liked but i don't know how you feel about it aaron yeah i i agree and i haven't played the game since 2016 when i first played it but it there so there is like a mystery a central mystery to it and i don't think that that pays off or or is even particularly interesting relevant to the other more thematic and emotional content that henry and delilah are they're discussing, they're sharing the sort of weird longing and the loneliness. Um, but, but still a great, like a great experience. 
it, it, it kind of bothers me that Campo Santo got absorbed by Valve. I know that they uh, they got Half-Life out, so I guess maybe it shouldn't bother me that much. They did, they did get a Half-Life game pushed right. out the door, right? <laughs> Alex is great. So Alex is great. So that's that's true, and I haven't played Alex yet, and I, I don't know. When it comes to PSVR, I'll probably get it. Uh, but, um, but they were doing something interesting with that game, and they were going to make another game called Valley of the Gods, which is definitely is uh, stealth canceled because like it's it still has a steam page but it's like never it's never going to come out i i was interested to see them kind of go more deeply into that uh jake rodkin and sean vanneman from campo santo made the walking dead season one which is i think a lot of people thought was like one of the great narrative games of the previous decade so yeah they, and then they made firewatch so i i'd love to see what they can do i guess i should just play half-life alex is really now that i think about it what 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 it is Alex is great. I have a question on this game. I haven't played it, um, but I've I've often heard it lumped in with games that came out at a similar time in terms of Walking Sam's Edith Finch and the Stanley Parable, and I liked both of those games a lot. Do you guys think that Firewatch is at the same caliber quality as those two games, or no? It has its moments, but no. The Edith Finch okay. is like incredible. Like like yeah, is is of kind of a perfect Walking Sim. Stanley Parable is un- unimpeachable amazing hilarious like yeah, it's amazing you know critique of, of of interactivity and um firewatch is a mostly successful dramatic walking sim that pulls in elements of exploration and um map navigation like from far cry 2 and like okay. some light Im- very light immersive sim kind of elements like of like so in my opinion, both uh, Edith Finch and Stanley Parable did things in the gameplay that was like unique and like like that actually took advantage of the walking sim elements and and they in, in a lot of weird ways that I hadn't seen games do. Does does Firewatch do this as well? It's more navigation based, as Aaron said. I, I wouldn't say like okay. it's actually kind of interesting because. You mentioned those three games, and I just realized I've played all three of those games in the past two months. <laughs> so, yeah. so I have like a pretty fresh perspective on all of them. And I think Edith Finch is so good because it's only about two hours long, if not three, maybe, or you know, three to two, two to three. And I think that's what makes that game so good is that it it hits all the themes that it wants to hit in a really short amount of time. And you're kind of left with like this feeling about, oh, like this is a this is a game about a family, but it's also kind of about every family and how we handle death. And that game was amazing for that. Stanley Parable, I love just because I think it's the only video game that's truly made me laugh. Like that that game made me laugh out loud multiple times because of the game developer's understanding of how to satirize game elements in the context of a video game. So you're like actually experiencing it as you're playing it. And it's not just like a cutscene or something or some like abstract thing. Uh, with Firewatch, I think it just, it didn't have like as strong a concept as those two games. Like those other two games had like a really clear idea of what they were. And Firewatch, I think, uh, I think it succeeds um, in the first half, but then it kind of tries to do too many things with its storytelling and gameplay in the second half, if that makes sense. That's my take. 
It's not like commenting mm. on the mechanics. There, there isn't an interesting meta commentary that you would see in Stanley Parable or even to a certain extent, yeah. uh, Edith Finch. That's the stuff that I really liked about those two games. Yeah, it doesn't have that in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. That said, it it does tell, I, I think, a largely dramatic, uh, successful story. Like, like it does have some wobbles, like Warren's saying. Um, and the environment that you explore is, is interesting and pretty well conceived and exploring it is... I remember watching Aaron play it and my yeah. only memory is Aaron running around as the guy with the kind of large arms opening boxes and then closing boxes that's how I only remember that game is, is just that. <laughs> uh, that that there is a box that you can open is there only there's one a, time that I think only there's only once. one box yeah I don't okay, call a lot okay. of boxes so that's not a big mechanic then I see it's a yeah it's not really gameplay driven honestly the best part of the game is just uh, the the it the middle-aged angst like that i think it does it really well in the first couple hours of the game and i think you you don't really see video games like that you know i don't think video games are really geared towards older older men or older women you know so i thought i think that's what really stuck with me about that game is that it felt like a game written for adults hmm. so and also, yeah. um, one other thing I want to say about this, sorry to belabor this, but I like how it captures the feeling of wanting to escape because you're this guy who's trying to run away from his problems and he does that by going to work in this forest to get away from everyone. And the game explores that idea a lot, like the desire to just escape society and just run away from your problems in a way that I thought was meaningful and relatable. Yeah, uh, I recommend it. I think you would like it, Kev. It's it's definitely a like a one sitting game because it's only I think three or four hours long. Yeah, you know, like four hours. I, I beat it in one sitting. Yeah. Okay. I I went to try it one time and then I uh, fell off of it for some reason. I didn't I didn't get that far. I think I opened the box. <laughs> I didn't get further. Than that. I thought I had a problem with the box opening or anything. I like opening boxes, but I <laughs> I just uh, like, I've seen this I had before. To, I had to stop or something. There was like there was like there was like furniture being delivered or something. I had to, like I had to stop and I just. We went to play something else. So, hmm. all right. Uh, what what is this Midnight Fight Express? Is this the Hotline Miami ish game? No, this yeah. is the game that has Tom Hanks in the in the train, right? In nighttime. That, that's the Polar Express. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, Midnight Fight Express. Opposite, <laughs> Midnight Fight Express. I'll, I'll keep this one short. Short because uh, I've talked about the game, my games, a lot this podcast but it's it's basically a hotline miami clone that's basically what it is but instead of top-down pixelated um it's um isometric so can you think a little bit more hades and then more of a focus on the brawling aspect i thought it was pretty good um i i I, it's kind of hard for me to recommend it because i don't think you guys would like it that much because i know I know. Well, here's the thing. You guys really value gameplay feel. Uh, having podcasted with you guys, Bro, you guys, I played Stalker. Stalker is one of my favorite games. That's not a okay. game, good game. <laughs> Maybe that's more of a Kevin thing. I don't know. I thought. <laughs> I maybe, yeah, it is for me. Yeah, but the the brawling feels a little floaty, and I never got over the floatiness of the combat. Like everything just kind of feels like it has like a half second latency to it. 
And then on top of mm. that, the game is very challenging. Hmm. So I found those two things frustrating. It has a lot of diff- difficulty it's a spikes. Bad combo. Yeah, and difficulty spikes, and it has the latency. But you know, it's it's basically just Hotline Miami. I beat it in about eight to nine hours. So you know, a chunky campaign for an indie title uh, or any mm-hmm. title really. Uh, I'd probably give it a really enthusiastic three out of five. Like it's it's on Game Pass. It's pretty fun. Uh, okay. Kind of frustrating. It's fun to beat the shit out of people. It has like a nice <laughs> uh, drive aesthetic, obviously, like Hotline Miami. Um, mm-hmm. You can even wear um, the the animal masks from Hotline Miami. They're clearly paying tribute to that game, so you can you can wear wear masks like that. But it, it's pretty good. I, I I don't really have much more to say about it other than it's on Game Pass. Give it a shot. But it's not as I don't think it's as good as Hotline Miami by any stretch. Hmm. All right. Was that the game with the tiger that had the bat that you said the picture of? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Maybe you guys will like it more than me. I, I was listening to the um I, I think it was the Giant Bombcast actually. Or no, the uh yeah, no, yeah, the Giant Bombcast. And everyone seemed to really like it. Like it seems like it's well received generally by people. So if you like being the shit out of people, it's it's pretty fun. I mean, it's well documented that I like beating the shit out of people. I like games that make when you when you hurt the people and they scream, right? Yeah. The Last of Us Part Two. It's it it, it turned a switch in me that cannot be unturned. Well, maybe you should do what I didn't do, which is you should play it on normal mode because I played it on hard mode. Oh. And I feel uh, like right out the gate. Yeah, I because I, I was I like most games are hard. It's you do that? I, play, I play like everything on hard. You guys are so much more manly than me. I, I just feel no. It's not. It's not at all like a like machismo thing. I just I don't know. I just usually find that's more fun. Yeah. Well, anyway, the game, going back to the original yeah. point. Going back to the original point. Uh, I heard <laughs> that normal mode, the enemies are way less aggressive, <laughs> and it's easier to parry stuff on normal mode. So I think the uh, floaty, kind of low latency feel gameplay would be way more tolerable on okay. normal mode. So maybe try that. Will... Maybe that will click. I'll, I'll try it. The floaty, l- like latent, slow, unresponsive controls <laughs> does sound a little... No, not for me, at least. <clears throat> Give it a shot. It's take on that Game in Pass. a walking sim. <laughs> yeah, it's on Game Pass. Whatever. Uh, you, you guys ever seen The Lord of the Rings? Uh, what's that? Yeah, is that Game of Thrones? I'm not... That's uh the the Lord of the Rings. Is that is Star Wars with swords? HBO is that Max. what that is? The ex. It's kind of like Star Wars with swords, actually. Uh, yeah. It could be that <laughs> Star Wars is like Lord of the Rings, but with like spaceships and androids, or whatever. But yeah. it, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Uh, I have rewatched. Uh, I'm up. I'm halfway through the Return of the King. The extended editions of each of these movies, but like I said, I'm halfway through the Return of the King. I haven't watched these movies in more than a decade. I intentionally, like, I really liked them a lot when they came out, but I intentionally like put them on the shelf and said, "I will not watch these for a long time. They're going in the vault." And then now that you know Jeff Bezos is making a uh, a Lord of the Rings series that's coming out tomorrow, at least tomorrow, for, it'll be out by the time people have 
By the time this podcast episode has, has aired, it will already have been out. But at the time we're recording, it comes out tomorrow. So anyway, I watched, I rewatched them. These movies are good. We know this. Uh, they, they hold up reasonably well. I hate, I hate what they did to Gimli. But I also hate what they did yeah. to Legolas. Legolas is 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 annoying. Yeah. Like he's literally just he's just a dork that do, he he does exposition. He'll like say some little fact about something, and then he's just like super. He's got a super sight, and he can snowboard down staircases. And he's a uh, Jim from the Office. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> they both yeah. like I, yeah. Gimli doesn't suck, but 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 like, why do they have to make? Why do why do things need comic relief? Can somebody explain this to me? Can't we just sit with the suffering for a little bit? Depends on what it is. I think it works sometimes. No, it works sometimes. But um, I will say, Lord of the Rings isn't that bad compared to a lot of other stuff today. Compared to how things have gone, (laughs) yes. Yeah, this is still like pre-Joss Whedon. Remember? (laughs) Well, not pre, but pre. Yeah, the the proliferation. Pre Whedonification. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't uh, it before Firefly? It was before Firefly, right? Or do yeah, I? Yeah, but he dates? made Buffy in the nineties. He made Buffy. In the oh, 90s. that's right. I forgot about Buffy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Firefly did not. He did not just spring up out of the ground with a Firefly completely formed. No, no, a whole five or six seasons of Buffy, which I've, I've seen none of, but people like it. I hear it's good. Uh, anyway, Lord of the Rings was pretty good, but I had a problem, and I've had this problem for a while. What the fuck are the orcs? Uh, not people, not but people, not people, but people, you people can with no humanity. Yeah. Like, like from the perspective of the author, from the perspective of the characters, almost even from the perspective of the orcs, like what the fuck are the orcs? They're, uh, they're abominations or not abominations. They're, uh, like a risen Crete version of the elves, like the evil twisted elves. Yeah, I guess that is the lore explanation. I okay. So whatever I'm about to say, I'm sure some. I feel like you're getting. I feel like you're getting to something, but I don't want to say it. Uh oh. What do you think I'm getting at? No, never mind. Just go ahead, and I'll tell you. Go there, buddy. Oh, we're gonna go everywhere. Okay. 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 You want me to go over there? I'm going there. Yes. Yes. Go there. Okay. The Lord of the Rings has a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. It has a big problem. It's a very 2002 problem. Uh, mm. There are only white people in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings, that's and- part of the problem. But that <laughs> it's not a 2002 problem. It's a 19 whatever 60 whenever the fuck those books were written problem, right? That's true. That's true. But yeah, I, I do think it is bizarre that they're like bad, the bad guys are the non-white people. I mean, I know they're like Cockney, like oi brick, but still, I don't know. Yeah, but the subtext is there. They're like. They're like comic relief demons that that suck at everything. Yeah, they're um, just like easy can fodder that can be slain. There is evil humans. They're from the south. They they're yeah. like they're kind of like they're like Egyptian or uh, we don't I really don't know. know where they're from. Whatever. They're, they, they they're, have that kind of they, they no, have like, they have like elephants and like Greek. I, I don't know. They're, they're like the undefined other culture. So. Non-European so, culture is what it is. L- let's get at what Oren was kind of talking about th- that I think is a problem with with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is an explicitly racialist, I guess is the word. I don't know what the right word is. Like that's like, not a G word, isn't it? You're being racialist. No, I think that's I think that's <laughs> the word. Being, I don't know. Now I'm going to Google it. 
Racialist is no, like No, I know what you race. mean. Maybe like ethnocentric. No, like is that not the like, word? There, there, there are moments in the movie and and in the novels where like Aragorn talks about how he is flawed because he has the blood of somebody two thousand years ago oh, that yeah. did something wrong. Like oh. everything in that is like the appearance of the person is is indicative of their character and it's on a gradient a color gradient but it's not just a color gradient it's also like a beauty gradient like there's some weird shit going on there but like the, the, the whiter you are and the whiter whiter your clothes the better the morally pure person you are yeah. yeah yeah very simplistic representations of good and evil often using race but not exclusively and and it it made me think like I like these movies these movies are enjoyable but they do feel dated in that way and in other ways how is Amazon gonna make a series in this universe and salvage it do you guys th- do you guys think Kevin do you think I'm onto a problem or like wh- what do you think um I do have it I do I'll be honest it bugged me the most when I was playing Shadow of Mordor because the orcs are kind of like lovable goofballs in that game, and you like torture them and break their minds. And like I talked about this when I played Shadow War, if you guys remember. And mm-hmm. like it just, it's like everything's fine. Like it's we can do this to these guys. Like there's no problem. You know, <laughs> like, like, like we're doing good things by slaughtering them. I mean, obviously we people in games a lot, but there's something. There is something about the orcs that I do feel bad for them for some reason because they are just like the villains, and there's no there's nothing redeemable about them. And they they do seem to have some sort of culture and. And, and and character to them um i don't know i i'm um i i personally like i've complained about this in the past about like i think that fantasy draws too much from from tolkien and like he's amazing like and he's a his stuff is like a foundational classic piece but i just think it doesn't i don't i don't i don't know i'm just i'm not as interested in it because i think that the things that he, that that Lord of the Rings has built up has been done in so many other franchises so many times. I've seen it happen so much, like in D and D and every freaking fantasy game that has orcs and elves and dwarves in it. Um, I'm just like I'm a little sick of it. Like I just am like I'm not interested to be honest with you. So uh, on that on the note of like it's okay to like uh, genocide the orcs. I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm, I'm curious. I'm not really that interested in the show. Um, but I bet you they'll figure something out. There'll probably be like a good orc that like joins them, and he's like, "Oh, look at our culture. We're but we're it's okay not just people." The orcs. It's like the whole thing. Like like again, I'm saying right. like, Oregon's like special, Aragorn's special because he has this special bloodline. The, the then he complains blood. about how somebody did something wrong a few years, a few years, uh, two thousand years ago, which reflects a character flaw in him. Like like it's right, racialist, yeah, which means concerned with like race race is being like tr- like a determinant of like personal character and traits and other things uh what do you think oren um i'll i'll have to watch the show see how Mm -hmm. i feel but also i agree with kevin in the sense that i i do i do kind of think that type of tolkien the tolkien-esque fantasy is pretty overdone but it also kind of tying back to what you're saying aaron it is very racialized um the witcher 3 felt that way um, I just don't understand why we can't do different types of fantasy that m- one feels more inclusive, but also it's just not the same tropes, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. some, like, oh, I- I'm writing a fantasy novel, you know, it has dwarves, it has elves, it has wizards. It's like, like, that's all you got. 
That's yeah, it'd be yeah. like if every sci-fi story had like the same gray aliens with the same trope. Like they're the same like fl- gray aliens from the same kind of flying saucers that like the spinning thing and like they shot lasers like that black. Like every if every movie and game had that, like we'd be like, what the hell? Like why why is this so homogenous? But for some reason with fantasy, it's like that's just the genre. That's how it is. You just but then like yeah. Game of Thrones came along and it was like, oh wait a minute, this isn't how it has to be. And Dark Souls too. It was like whoa 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 whoa. This is different. Elden I love Ring. this. Elden Ring, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, I, do, so, I don't. Yeah, one one other thing I want to say about it is just I also hate how people fetishize it. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. They'll go to like kind of like conventions or they'll get really into the culture of it, and it just I'm. I think that's fine, but like I think it becomes restrictive when you kind of have such reverence for these tropes, and you don't subvert mm. them, and you just are kind of married to them. Yeah. So part of what you guys are getting at here, right, is that fantasy has become shorthand for like basically medieval England with some extra shit, right? Mm-hmm. And no black people. Uh, yeah. No black people. <laughs> it's also what's Conan's great. Conan was like ancient. Right. Like it wasn't medieval Conan, Europe. I'm like medieval Europe is, was before, I know. Yeah. And and it yeah, I, it's 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 I heard guy. a rumor that mm-hmm. FromSoft's next game, I think it's not true, it was gonna be based on like an Aztec, like Dark Fantasy Aztec Empire, and I was like, Oh my oh, god, that'd that's be so awesome. I want that so much. Like, please. Cause like I again I love medieval fantasy. Dark Souls is my favorite game. But like I feel a little tired of it. Like, it's, there's a lot of other settings that are really cool. Like, uh, China's got all sorts of cool stuff going on. We, like, it's very rarely, you know, done. Um, ancient eras, Egypt, all that, all this sorts of stuff. Like settings could, that could be, I don't know, other utilized that I, that aren't yeah. just medieval Europe. Even though medieval yep. Europe is awesome, I love it. <laughs> uh, also, I, I finished watching uh, the Sandman TV show uh, by you know Neil Gaiman. Uh, the the show was very inconsistent. I'll say that. Mm. Uh, I, it had some great episodes, had some bad episodes, very real peaks and valleys. However, it had a totally different kind of lore, totally different kind of setting that you than you would usually see in a fantasy context. And I was like, you know what? I want to see more of that. Give me more of that shit. Mm-hmm. I don't want, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I guess part of what I'm asking, and, and you guys you guys are responding to this. We're about to we have we have this Rings of Power show that I that I live to. We have the House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones show. There's the Witcher show, but like uh, I, I don't know what would be where, where can we go from here? Can can medieval England fantasy be redeemed? I, I think, st- but it, still staying in that break, setting. Please, that's what I think. Like uh, yeah. yeah, give it give it a rest. Like it's great, but just like can we have a break for a little bit? Or just, uh, I, I mean, we, we already kind of answered it. Just kind of find new tropes, find new settings. Fantasy doesn't need to be the same stuff. Uh, again, like, not to belabor it, uh, but, you know, more inclusive. Don't have weird kind of racialized ethnocentric utopias. Um, because even when it's not explicit, it's still kind of, I get taken aback by it a little bit. I'm like, you know, the, why is everyone just white? But <laughs> Um, mm. But also, I will say, though, I did watch the first two episodes of the House of the Dragon show, and it did do a couple of things that I really appreciated that Mar- even Marvel and Disney don't do, and they have mm-hmm. probably more money, I would imagine, in their productions. Maybe not. I don't know. 
but or like comparable amounts. But I did really like how in the House of the Dragon show there were actual sets and like everything looked lived in. And that is such a low bar. (laughs) But if you watch any modern Disney show, like the Mm Obi-Wan show, uh, the Boba Fett show, any of the Marvel stuff, it just doesn't look lived in. It just it, yeah. it just everyone looks like they just took a shower. Everyone has right. the cleanest clothes. There's no like uh, blotches on the clothes, and it's just and the setting looks plasticky. Game of Thrones, mm. the new season, actually looks lived in, and that felt great. <laughs> yeah. So Game of Thrones as a series actually did a really good job of that. In some ways, it did an even better job than than the. The, the current season of House of Dragon or the first two episodes have done because it was like they are leaning a little bit into some like digital sets but for the most part it does have yeah very lived in real looking like practical effects kind of thing going on um, yeah I don't know I do like some of uh, the adult I mean I, I know Game of Thrones was famous for having really adult content Mm-hmm. But I do I do like it when television doesn't shy away from certain things. Like there's a whole plot line in this new show about um, this like feudal f- feudal uh, lord basically trying to marry off his 12 year old daughter to this old man, and that kind of stuff yeah. is disturbing. But I'm glad that they don't shy away from content like that. I, I guess that might be something that fantasy could use more of is more challenging an adult content like that where characters like because the lord of the rings trilogy and probably this tv show it's like there are the good guys and the bad guys and it's very simple morality right so yeah uh house of the dragons doing a good job of that game of thrones did a good job of that um i don't know what in the beginning in the beginning and it got like there's the bad guys here's the good guys i I think actually the witcher (laughs) does a good job of that like i think the witcher both the the video game and the television show, like a big part of it is like everything is complex, maybe too complex sometimes. I don't know, but like, 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 isn't that like the the whole thing with the bloody Baron quest line? Yeah. The Witcher three is always asking the question of, uh, was it better to intervene or not? Mm -hmm. Which I think is really inspired. It's a really inspired premise. Um, it's kind of like that, that Star Trek concept where you can't like invade other worlds. Cause if you, I can't remember what it's called, the prime directive, uh, because you yeah. don't know how you'll alter the conflict or alter the stakes of the conflict. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the same questions being asked in the Witcher three all the time. Like, did we actually help or did we just cause more death? <laughs> I dig that. The, the yeah. show definitely hits on that. Like maybe not as deftly as the game did, but, the show's pretty decent. Like, like the show is is like the opposite of Game of Thrones. That it's not like this big, or, or the, even Lord of the Rings. It's not like this big overarching, um, like thing problem to solve. It's just like a lot of little problems. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's reasonably. Enjoyable. Tell me, d- d- does Matt Smith look weird at all in the show, or does he just look weird in the in the trailer? Because he he definitely House of the Dragon. Something? Yeah. Okay, so let's. I guess let's get into personal wrecks, right? If if we're to that, because that is my personal wreck is House of the Dragon. Uh, Matt okay. Smith always looks weird because he has a weird looking face. Right. However, with, with the, he's with the, great. With the wig in the he show. looks extra. Oh, I'm sure he's a good actor. I don't. I'm um, not. I'm not hating on him at all. He. I just yeah, noticed, yeah. when I, I shot trailers for him, I would like laughed out loud. I was like, he just looks so strange. This the wig just looks so like a wig. Like he doesn't yeah. look like it's, he's wearing. He has his hair at all. So 
towards the end of Game of Thrones, more and more of the characters stopped using their own hair and started using wigs. Sansa, most notably, she went from from dyeing her hair to just wearing a wig. Fucking wigs, not good. Those wigs, sometimes they, they're fine. Uh, it, it bothered me in The Lord of the Rings way back in the day. The elves, their hair looks ridiculous. Uh, it doesn't look like yeah. real hair at all. Uh, it's I don't know. So the Targaryen wigs are not not ideal. I would say They're, they don't. Danny's hair always looked kind of funky in, in Game of Thrones, right? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't her real hair, it, it and it was like matted to the side of her head in these weird little braids. Did you watch Game of Thrones, Oren? No, I missed out. You missed out. Okay, but you are watching House of the Dragon. That's 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 interesting. Well, you know how I justified it to, it to myself was because um, I'm a big Better Call Saul fan, as you know. If someone mm-hmm. asked me, like, should you watch Better Call Saul, but you mm-hmm. haven't watched Breaking Bad, my answer would be yes. Go ahead and watch okay. Better Call Saul. So that's how I justified it to myself. Uh, but that kind of goes into two other things that I really like about the show, at least so far. Um, I One, I let this is what Star Wars needs to do, by the way. They set the show 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones. And Star Wars needs completely to agree. do that. Star Kotor Wars did. to do that. It's a good idea. It's a good mm-hmm. idea. Just completely eliminate the Skywalker saga. So I really appreciated yeah. that. Yep. Uh, and then the second thing that I really like is that I like how it's kind of a small cast of characters uh, so mm. far, at least. So I think I'm... That was something that always kind of intimidated me about Game of Thrones is that like there were so many characters and maybe it's just because as the show went on they introduced so many characters. But I like nah, how it starts with a lot of characters. But uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> well there you go. But like I like how this show it it really is just kind of it it, it really kind of just feels like a feudal kingdom. Like there's like some squires, there's some families, there's some bickering. It's all like family shit. But um, mm-hmm. it's really just centered on a handful of characters, and I think that's making me engaged in it i also like how they avoided with the exception of like matt smith they avoided uh going to prestige with the casting i feel like there's always a temptation to be like okay we're gonna cast uh vigo mortensen or somebody um no i love vigo mortensen but like i like how they didn't fall for that and they cast more kind of b-tier fame actors because that made it more immersive for me yeah, no, I I agree. I, I, they did a similar thing with Game of Thrones, except for Sean Bean was you know the anchor for right. that first season. But um, it's interesting, right? So I I've seen two episodes of the show. I I like it a lot. Game of Thrones was such a strange thing in that, and, and this show has to live in the shadow of basically the best and the worst show of all time in people's in like the same people's <laughs> minds, right? Like there's a lot of there's a big group of people who think Game of Thrones uh, Game of Thrones Game of Thrones was like the best show of all time and then like one of the worst shows of all time like Kevin maybe is one of those people what do you think about yeah. that yeah. um from the best like so, up to season 3 and 4 was one of the best I've ever seen and then the ending it was like I don't want to have anything to do with this franchise ever again yeah <laughs> I kind yeah, of I kind of hope they keep it small for this show like I know they're probably going to do like a billion seasons but wouldn't that be awesome if they did They're like, not Oh, so, they're not. So, no, no. Oh, they're going to okay. do three or maybe four seasons. Because here's oh, the thing that sick. the show has going for it. Like, the budget's there. The the, the Mike's... I don't know what Mike's saying. Uh, <laughs> text messages. But, okay. So, the budget's there. The, the primary work is complete, right? One of the problems with Game of Thrones, and literally the dividing line between the good seasons and the bad seasons, is where they ran out of book. This book is written and published and done. It's gone. Um, 
and uh, and the people who are making it, Ryan Conley, I think his name is. Um, so no Dave and Dan, huh? No Dave. Oh, fuck those guys. Oh, my God. No, fuck those guys. <laughs> this guy clearly understands. George R. R. Martin actually is very involved in it and has, has given his blessing to many of the things. Apparently, is, is regularly a consultant on the show. Um, but the story is is constrained. It's lower stakes than Game of Thrones, but still... Like, because Game of Thrones is like, what if during World War Three aliens invaded, right? <laughs> you know, like, what if like the biggest <laughs> event in the world happened and then it got six times worse? Uh, this is is mm-hmm. much more constrained. It, much more. It feels like a return to form of a lot of the things that that I liked, and I think a lot of people liked about the earlier seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, but with not as much of the bombast, but maybe to a good extent. And like I said, because it's already written and there is a finite ending that's completely fleshed out it's only going to go like three seasons like i guess what they're thinking with the show is that it might be anthology seasons so there might be like three seasons for this story and then another season for a completely different story or something like that i don't know i like that i think you know what um i was talking i I saw mike uh mention this at some point but one of my favorite tv shows ever is watchmen the uh, adaptation of the comic yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons why I thought it was so good is that Damon Lindelof is like, we're just doing one season, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. I, 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 I wish more shows had that ethos. And I know we talked about this, I think, like a last podcast or like two podcasts ago. Uh, you know, it, it's fine. Just do don't you don't have to be uh, the wire. You don't have to be the Sopranos. Just do like a couple seasons. You know, like you don't have to overstay your welcome. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think tell as much story as there is and no more. And I guess that's one concern I have is is I I question how much story there is left to tell in the Lord of the Rings universe. Not because there isn't lots of story there, but just because I find that some of the the facts of the the physics of that universe just a little troublesome. I think there's a little more in George R. R. Martin's universe, but like if they start making 20 shows, which is what I think the plan, it's going to be the same problem with Star Wars. It's just like too much of this thing has spread it thin. Yeah. Um, but for right now, I'm enjoying it. And there was clearly a deep hole in my my psyche and in my soul that missed having something to do every Sunday night and then, and then go read stuff and listen to podcasts afterwards and obsess over. So I like that I have that again, at least for the next eight weeks. Um, I don't know. I recommend House of the Dragon. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in, as, a, as a true casual, I'm really enjoying it. Also, uh, heavy Elden Ring vibes at points in that show, in my opinion. Uh, but Yeah, just with the naming. That's the one. That's, okay, the two complaints I would have with that show... The fucking there's a few bad wigs and then the names are like it's 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 fucking Elden Ring all over again. Renala Radon. Yes, it's the, <laughs> their names are like they all have the same fucking name with like a couple letters swapped. Oh oh my god, I should have brought this up. The there's like a scene in the second episode where two of the uh like female leads are praying in front of candles. Do you know what I'm talking about? I was mm-hmm. like that's yeah. the that's the Demon Souls hub world. They just, oh they, just, they just, they oh just did god, the Demon's Souls homework. Like, oh my fuck? god, it's the, 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 the uh, Nexus. The yeah. Nexus, yeah. It's like, what the hell? Dude, That's awesome. Totally. That scene was gorgeous. Uh, I, I, I will say they've upped the ante in terms of the visuals from Game of Thrones. It's like the show is, is quite, uh, quite something to look at. Yeah, it's very pretty. Uh, well, nice. All right. 
I uh, my personal rec is just uh, I think I've talked about it before, but Primal by Gendy Tartakovsky is uh, a really great animated show that continues to be great. It's on season two. Uh, if you love visual storytelling, it is all that. There's no dialogue. Um, or mostly no dialogue. Like a couple episodes of dialogue, but it's largely just visual storytelling. And the whole gist of the show is there's this caveman like Neanderthal and his dinosaur sidekick. And they just go on crazy violent adventures. And it's purely vignette driven. Uh, and again, it's by Gindy Tartakovsky, who did Samurai Jack and Dexter's Laboratory. I think this is his best achievement yet. Uh, and it's a very impressive show if you just love animated television that is purely just visual storyboard driven storytelling that's also violent so that's my personal rec awesome nice um uh, my i have two personal recs um the first one is uh i just so i uh was perusing through YouTube free movies, which I do sometimes. And I also was presenting through Amazon free movies, which I also do sometimes. And I found that Killer Clowns from Outer Space was free. <laughs> and I'd always wanted to see it um, because I remember seeing it in Blockbuster when I worked there. And I just remember seeing um, one of the clowns, his name is, I guess, Jumbo. He's green hair. I just he had a very striking appearance. I was like, wow, that is just, that's something. It was memorable. So uh, I decided to watch it, and uh, it actually was pretty good. I, like I knew it was gonna be like a B movie, um, but it's like it's pretty funny, and uh, it has a lot of really creative uh, ideas. Uh, like I, I think it's aged pretty well. Like I was, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, my favorite scene it takes place in the police station. Um, there's some puppeteering going on. I don't know if you guys remember that scene, but very funny, creepy yeah. too. It was like it yeah. was like a really that movie really played the horror comedy line like perfectly. Like they had some parts that were creepy and had some parts that were really funny and silly, um, mostly silly and funny. But uh, they did they did a really good job like playing into like circus tropes. Um, I liked their like cheesy ridiculous uh, spaceship. Um, there is a scene where a dog dies, but it's off screen. It's very implied, so nothing violent happens, which is I like because I don't like a dog side movies. So <laughs> I was happy about that as well. Nothing bad really happened, even that you can see or hear. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a good movie. Have you guys seen that movie? I think yes. I saw. Okay. I think I saw it when I was like twelve at a sleepover. Mm. <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I watched it during one of those like. You guys probably don't remember this, but. Showtime and HBO and Cinemax used to do like free weekends. If you didn't have them and you had cable, it would be like you could watch. So one of the sh- one weekend I had Showtime and Killer Clowns from Outer Space came on, and it was when we were living in Florida, Kevin. And I I mm. was terrified by that movie. Like it it absolutely I must have been ten years old. Like haunted my psyche. I can totally see it. It's a very I was visual like, movie. Yeah, I was like, this place looks really familiar. And that's because it was filmed uh, in in our our hometown, <laughs> or I guess it was filmed in Watsonville, not in Watsonville. Cruz, but but it was like, and in the the Redwood Forest, like I was just like, oh, this is like a weird familiarity of this place. So it made it extra haunting. But like the clowns turning people into popcorn and then eating them, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, man. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. Mm-hmm. He turns them into uh, cotton candy. Cotton candy, that's right. Okay. And yeah, he uh, there's a scene where he like puts the straw in the cotton candy, and, like drinks blood from it. And it's just gross. It's like, but it's a little funny too. It's like they definitely, I think, they, I don't know. They have, they had, I think they had a really good understanding of of like that what makes that genre work, the horror comedy. So, 
uh, I enjoyed it. I think it's like uh, if you want like a fun movie that's just kind of like not very serious and makes you laugh and has slightly creepy elements, I'd say it's worth it. Let's yeah, check it out. And there's gonna be a game. I know, and I also was like, oh, there's a game coming out too. I remember uh, that's. I I wonder if that's why it was showing up in the YouTube feed because like there's oh, there's yeah. probably some SEO oh, yeah. related to the movie or to, to it. So, hmm. um, and my second recommendation uh, is. This is a weird one. It's uh, it's called Les Maisons and Sorcerie. It's a 1906 short French silent film. The House um, of Sorcery. Uh, the, the House of Ghosts is what it's oh, called. Okay. Um, the translation. Um, it's by the f- director Segundo de. Sorry, I'm butchering his French name. Segundo de Chomon. Chomon. Um, basically, it's about some people who are traveling. It's a silent film, so I just put on some Jelly Roll Morton in the background and just kind of let it go. Um, it, it's uh. They're traveling, they go into a house, and then uh, weird things start happening. Um, and it has very uh, 1906 practical effects, primarily relying on stop-go. Um, I don't know. It's supposed to be a horror film, but it's also very funny because the characters look like clowns, ironically. And there's hmm. all these parts where all, they'll all be like sitting on something, and then it will like disappear, and they'll all fall down. And it happens like five times. <laughs> it's, like, it's funny every time. So I think they're going for some comedy. But there's a scene where um, the ghost starts like cutting up like some like it like, cuts up like some sausages and makes sandwiches for them, and like it's all stop motion. But like they did a really good job on the editing of it. Despite, I mean, it's 1906. It's a six minute movie. You can watch it on YouTube or on Wikipedia. So that's why I watched it. Um, but it was pretty fun. Like I would say it's worth uh, six minutes of your time to uh, <laughs> to watch this old French horror movie. I guess I, I thought it was supposed to be a horror comedy. That was my take when I watched it because it seemed like pretty funny. But I don't know. You guys should watch it and tell me what you think. If, if that's if that's what you, if that's what your your take from it was. It's Les Maisons de la Sorcerie. Les Maisons. I, Les, I can post it. Les Maisons. Les Maisons en Sorcerie. Oh. Um, oh. It's en Sorcerie is one word. Okay. Yeah, uh, I can post this in the Discord. You can put it. Because I guess there's the a Lovecraft story called Les Maisons. Les Maisons de la Sorcerie. Which is apparently the movie. Else. Uh, the the movie the Baba Duke they put a scene based on this movie in it oh, that's pretty which, cool babadook so, is good that's good. Um, i like babadook i haven't seen the babadook but uh that's oh, a good one i did enjoy the movie so i don't know I, the reason i watched it is i was reading about i was reading about horror i was reading about old cinema and that popped up and um i remember i had watched nosferatu and i really liked that uh, i was impressed how nosferatu stayed creepy despite being so old so um i just remember a quote when i was listening to john carpenter he was talking about how like the horror has been around since the beginning of cinema. Like it's always, always been there and it will always, in his opinion, it will always be there. And I think, I think he's right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Cool, cool short film. It's cool to look at the oldies, the oldies, oldies. Heck cool. Yeah. Good rack, man. Or good Rex. I dig it. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to watch that later and scare Mary. Um, <laughs> hopefully not scare the baby out of her, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> all right uh okay guys well uh this this has been fun and uh it, it's fun potting in the middle of the week instead of on the weekend huh get to drink our beer yeah drink our beer yes i i love podcasting on a wednesday night at yeah 10 10 30 my time 10 30 where the hell are you man wait what time is it yeah 10 45 i'm in chicago holy shit don't wake your don't wake your family up, man. All right, no. all right. Well, uh, it's been fun. We will be back in uh, two weeks. And uh, Madden, as always, we love you.
All right. I'll see you all later.